Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Project Keto, a podcast that teaches the how-tos, practical tips, and tactics to eating keto long-term. No more deprivation or confusion when it comes to your amazing body. I'm your host, Madeline Hewitt, and this is our last episode of Season 1. Time just flew by, and we are almost done here, and then we move into the new year, into 2019, and start right in with Season 2. Today's episode is all about diet variation. This is going to be for people who have been doing keto for at least six weeks or so, and you've been doing it pretty regularly. You haven't been missing a lot of days or skipping or messing up a lot. It's been pretty consistent for you for about six weeks, and now it's time to vary it up. And all of you who are just starting out or you're still getting into the swing of things, definitely still listen to the episode, but plan to come back to this again when you're at that point. And listening today for you is going to give you a picture of what your diet or what your life might look like in the future. It's not going to be a good plan to eat super low carb or super high fat or eat one specific way forever. So if you're thinking that there's only one way to do keto and that's the best way to eat for everybody's body for the rest of your life, that's just not true. Remember that a keto diet simply means that you're eating in a way where your body can get into ketosis. So that doesn't necessarily mean that you never eat carbs or you always eat very low carb. Some people actually do better when they introduce carbs periodically or in a strategic way. And today, hopefully you leave with a lot of ideas of how this might work for you. Don't expect that you're going to leave today fully understanding diet variation and completely mapping out how this is going to work for you. This will take you a couple of weeks or months. It might even take years for you to really grasp because as soon as you start finding something that works, you have to already be in the mindset of more diet variation because your body will change, usually for the better, but then what you've been doing is no longer appropriate. So don't worry when you get to that point in your keto life or in your keto journey where you've been doing something, it's been going great, and then now you're starting to plateau or you're actually backsliding and you don't know what happened. Don't feel bad when that happens and don't get upset or be shocked because it actually is a sign that your body has probably been improving and now you need a different set of tools to work with your new body. So it's actually a good thing. And the ultimate goal is to have as much diet variation as you possibly can for the rest of your life. If you can have a body that, you know, you could eat something like bread or canola oil or junk food if you had to, and you just snap back into ketosis the next day, that would be amazing. That would be ideal. The goal isn't to have a body that has to eat this one 
very picky special diet every day or if you go off track, then you fall apart. Maybe you have to live really regimented and eat a special, special, specific diet for a period of time, but I don't want you to think that you're going to go the rest of your life like that or that you should. We all want to be able to fluctuate between having really low carb some days, eating higher carb some days, eating all meat some days, eating vegetarian some days, eating um, you know, more fat or less fat or fasting for short periods of time or fasting for long periods of time or eating in the morning or eating at night. You should be able to do all of those different things. You should even be able to eat at restaurants that might not use the best quality ingredients and still be a really healthy person and have a really strong, healthy body. And if you measure your ketones or your blood sugar, you just get right back on track after doing those things. And it's good for your body to go through these variations and your body doesn't want to eat only one way forever. It's also good for your body to fluctuate in and out and in and out of ketosis on a regular basis. So it's not going to be ideal to measure super high ketones every single second for the rest of your life. You want to weave in and out of that periodically. And for some of you, you won't really like a lot of what you're learning today because none of it is black and white and none of it is exactly right for everybody. So you really do have to discover how this is going to work for your individual situation. One idea is to start by implementing the 5-1-1 rule. And this is something that I learned from Dr. Dan Pompa. The 5-1-1 rule is just a suggestion for a place to start with diet variation if you have no idea where to begin. This is for people who have been eating very low carb and probably intermittent fasting for about six weeks or so. Now that six week mark is not an exact definition or an exact date that you have to go off of. I just bring it up because you shouldn't be doing extreme intermittent fasting or extreme low carb every day long term, especially for women. It's very easy to end up backsliding when you do that. So something that happened to me um, after I had been doing like 16 or 18 or even 20 hour intermittent fasts every day for a couple of months, first I was feeling really good and I was getting really great results and then it slowly started to backslide where I noticed that I was struggling a lot more to do the fasting. So I thought that I should just force it and just fast longer and keep making it happen until I became really unhappy. And pretty much all the time I was really hungry. I had terrible anxiety. I lost my period for a couple of years. Uh, my hair was falling out. A lot of those things started to happen. And I just kept thinking that I should do it harder, do more low carb, do more fasting until my body just behaves. And I was thinking that my body was just being bad or something like that. When the truth is, is if you do this low carb or a lot of intermittent fasting, like beyond 12 hours of intermittent fasting, 12 hours is pretty reasonable, but beyond that, when you do that long term, your body starts to think that it's in starvation mode. So it starts to pack on fat and hold on to fat because it's thinking that you don't have enough food. So your body is actually really intelligent. And if that happens to you, you should thank your body and have some gratitude around that, even though it's probably the last thing that you want to think. 
So then when that happens, the answer is to start introducing a little bit more carbs on a cycling type of basis and maybe decrease the intermittent fasting a little bit and do something a little bit more reasonable, like maybe just 12 hours of fasting overnight or 13 or 14 hours if that feels really good and comfortable. So once you've been doing those things for about six weeks or so really consistently, then it's time to implement something like the 511 rule. So the 511 rule just means that five days a week, you're eating the typical keto diet, everything that you've learned on this season so far on the podcast. You're eating low carb, you're probably avoiding snacks, you're doing some intermittent fasting, those types of things. Then one day a week, you have a carb day. So that means that you eat some starchier foods like sweet potatoes, peas, berries, beets, squash, maybe some fruit, those types of things. And you would consider eating a little bit more frequently that day. If you've gotten used to only eating once or twice a day, then maybe have three meals that day or shorten your intermittent fast window to about 12 hours overnight so that you're eating more throughout the day. So that's called a a feast day. We want to go weaving between feast and famine. So when you hear the word feast day, it doesn't mean that you should stuff yourself to the point where you can't move and you're sick. Not that. It's just that you're going to be allowing yourself to eat more frequently and have a little bit more carbs. If you still have some major blood sugar issues or you're dealing with diabetes, then either Don't implement the carbs yet and instead just eat a little bit more frequently for you or try implementing just a small amount of carbs at first, like a half a cup of blueberries at night would be plenty of carbs for somebody who is really struggling with blood sugar troubles. For people who have a very low body fat percentage, like somewhere below a 25% for women, so that's pretty reasonable. I would say somewhere between 18 and 22% is going to be ideal. If you have that type of body fat and you have a fasting insulin level between 2 and 5, you can get away with having a few more servings of starchy foods on a carb day. Like maybe you're going to be having a cup of sweet potatoes with your lunch and a half a cup of blueberries and a half a cup of beets and maybe some peas, something like that. That that would be okay for someone who's very lean and doesn't have any blood sugar troubles. And your blood sugar is typically between 70 and 90. Then the second one, remember we're doing the 5-1-1 rule, the other one would be a 24-hour fast once a week. That means that you only consume water for a 24-hour period of time. This is only for people who feel ready to do this. This is not for people who feel really afraid or upset by the idea of doing a 24-hour fast. And it's not for people who try it and feel terrible, like you're stuck at home or you're stuck in bed or you're shaky or you can't even function and you get huge anxiety. That's not a good idea. If you're one of those people, then slowly inch yourself up to doing a 24-hour fast. And it might even take you a year or more to get to that point, and that's okay. 24 hours is really just an arbitrary number. There's nobody saying that there's this magic golden thing that happens at the 24-hour mark. 
it it's mostly just described as 24 hours because it's convenient in our human daily lifestyle. We typically work off of a 24-hour clock. So if you can, once a week you're doing a 24-hour water fast or something a little bit shorter. The 24-hour fast wouldn't be good for people who have really done damage in the past from doing way too much intermittent fasting or too low carb for too long. So let's use my example again. A few years ago when I got to that point where I was doing extreme intermittent fasting for like well over a year, I lost my period, my hair was falling out, and I had been having panic attacks all the time. It wouldn't have been a good idea for me right then to start doing a 24-hour fast. That would have just perpetuated the issue even if I was also implementing a carb day. Instead, if that happens where you get beyond damage and you're having some serious hormone troubles, instead of adding a 24-hour fast, it's better to actually focus on increasing the carbs and decreasing the fasting for a period of time until your body starts to improve. Your hormones start to improve, your hair doesn't fall out, and maybe your periods come back and the anxiety comes down. Then once that's happening, you can start to tweak and play around with incorporating some fasting again. So when you think about this 5-1-1 plan, it's not a good idea to put the ones right next to each other. So it's not a good idea to have a carb day and a 24-hour fast back to back. Meaning if you had a carb day on a Sunday, you shouldn't do a 24-hour fast on a Saturday or a Monday. It's just not ideal. It would be better to do a carb day on a Sunday, for example, and then a 24-hour fast on a Tuesday or Wednesday or maybe a Thursday, something like that. That would typically work better for people. Now, if this 5-1-1 rule doesn't really work for you or you have a better idea, great, go for it. There's a million different ways that you can alter this. You could do four days of intermittent fasting and two days of 24-hour fast and one day of carbs. Or you could do two days of carbs and four days of intermittent fasting and one day of 24-hour fasting. The idea here is to start to get your body used to a lot of variety. So if you started doing the 5-1-1 plan and then you did that for the next five years straight, that's not going to be a good plan in the um, the topic of diet variation. That's going to get you onto one specific routine. So stick with the 5-1-1 rule for a period of time and then start to mix it up. Now some special tips would be to listen to your body. If something doesn't feel right or you're forcing yourself to do these things, then it isn't right for you. You really do have to go inside and find ways of implementing the variation and implementing the carbs or the fasting in a way that really is going to work better for you. Another tip is to avoid junk foods or grains or gluten when you are doing your carb day. If you're implementing the grains and the gluten, it can end up tricking your body. Well, that's not the right phrase. It's not tricking your body. It can end up actually causing your body to be in more stress or to have food reactions or digestive issues just because you're eating those foods that don't work for most people. So then your carb day turns into a stress day that causes your body to go into turmoil. 
I would just recommend since you've been doing so well for so long without those grains and some of those foods, just to leave them aside and instead really focus on the starchy vegetables, fruit, and then maybe some other ingredients like coconut flour or almond flour or those ingredients that you can use in keto types of baking. Have those little fun treats on your carb days. And then for women who are having extremely difficult PMS or periods, it's a good idea to eat more carbs during the most difficult days of your cycle. So for me, I have a lot of trouble with PMS, so it's a good idea for me to have a little bit of carbs each night of the week before my period. And I'm not talking about having cups and cups and cups of potatoes on the five days before my period. I just mean that if I have a little bit of blueberries or some sweet potatoes or some small amounts of carbs every day before my period, my PMS tends to be much better. For other women, they have a lot of trouble during their period. So if that was you, you would want to have some carbs during your period. Other women have a lot of trouble during ovulation. So you would have some carbs then. And again, it's not going to be the same for everybody. So if you find that you try it and it's not working, then try having the carbs at a different point in your cycle the next month and see if it works better for you. And then if you're doing that, maybe that's your diet variation. You actually work on a monthly cycle. So maybe you're not really doing the 5-1-1 rule. Maybe most of the month you're fluctuating between normal keto, maybe you throw in a couple 24-hour fasts that month, and then your carb days are all blocked together during the most difficult part of your period. And then you don't add a lot of carb days on the other days unless you're feeling like you need it. Some signs that you need diet variation would be if your keto plan has been working at first, but now you've plateaued or your results are backsliding and you're feeling worse. Your hair is falling out, you lost your period, or your sleeping has gotten worse. If you used to sleep well, now you're not, that's a sign that you need some carbs. You have higher anxiety, definitely a sign you need some more carbs or you need to eat more frequently. All of your cravings went away when you started keto and now they're back. You probably need some more carbs. Maybe you still feel good, but you've been eating the exact same thing for more than six weeks. Get on top of the diet variation before things start backsliding for you. Or if you just feel like you're forcing yourself to eat a certain way and you don't feel happy about it, then you need to do more diet variation or switch it up. So that's all for today for our topic of diet variation. Remember that getting creative with this really is the best thing. You might even want to do diet variation more seasonally. In some months you eat a certain way, in other months or other seasons you eat a different way. Or maybe it depends on your travel or all different types of factors. If you can get really good at mixing it up and telling your body that there's all this different variety, not only in the macronutrients and the timing of what you eat, but also your actual food choices. If you can eat a huge variety of vegetables and meat and oils and seeds and all different kinds of things and even seasonings and spices and herbs, you are going to feel so much better. Thank you so much for listening today. 
Thank you for joining me for this entire first season of the Project Keto podcast. This has been really fun and really rewarding for me to do. And I look forward to season two. You'll hear some announcements coming out soon on Instagram about what kind of topics we're going to be going over. And I also want to wish all of you a happy new year. You're listening from about 10 different countries, I believe. So I'm spreading Happy New Year vibes all over the world to all of you listeners, and I would love it if you would rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts or make any sorts of questions or comments on the show notes page at projectketopodcast.com. Check out the podcast on Instagram or Facebook by searching Project Keto Podcast, all one word. And I just can't wait for next season. Happy New Year, and I'll catch you next week.